Welcome to Fertile Minds Radio. Here you'll find wisdom for your fertility journey and beyond, chosen specifically to help you trust your body and elevate your spirit so you can enjoy the process. Join us and see what a fertile mind feels like. Now your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland. This podcast is a proud member of Parents on Demand, a network of high-quality shows for families just like yours. Download our free network app on Apple and Android and listen to your favorite episodes on the go. You are listening to episode 57, Cycling with the Moon. What does that even mean anyways? I'm your host, Hilary Talbot Roland, acupuncturist, herbalist, meditation teacher, seeking to demystify your fertility journey physically, emotionally, and spiritually for you. And today I have brought back the lovely Sharna Longlaise, the highly credentialed Reiki master and meditation facilitator. And we are talking about moon cycles. We're going to talk about what they have to do with your fertility, how you can work with the moon when it comes to your emotions and your energy levels, and what exactly it means to cycle with the moon. You can read more about her impressive bio in today's show notes found at ladypotions.com forward slash episode 57, or you can even check out our website at seeksparkshine.com. If you didn't have a chance to listen to episode 55 last week, we chatted quite a bit about how your fertility challenges could be an unexpected spiritual awakening. And if you feel like this fertility thing has turned your life upside down, I highly, highly encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. So for today, we're going to get our astrology on a little bit, and we're going to find out why La Luna can sometimes feel like she is taunting us. So welcome back to the show, Sharna. Thank you so much for having me, Hillary. It's beautiful to be here with you again. Yes, I'm very lucky that our paths crossed and that we always have so much to chatter about. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Or I should say our listeners are lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. If they can put up with our wonderful uh, chitter chatter and (laughs) tangential talking that still has some kind of way of making sense. That's right. Well, you know, I think the topic today is important because it's so old. It's so, I mean, for eons, this was, I mean, women were the original calendar keepers. Let's be honest, right? Yes. We cycled with the moon. We were the calendar and somehow that's gone away. So we're, we're bringing it back. Yes. Before we dive in, what's new in your world? doing anything new and exciting? Oh my gosh. I feel like, you know, it's funny because I talk a lot with my clients about how this time of year is we're heading into, you know, winter solstice is such an internal reflective, you know, coming into yourself quiet. It's actually the height of the feminine, right? We're moving towards that uh, high end of yin energy and feminine energy. But I, it has been a lot percolating in my world in terms of new projects and things getting ready to come on board in 2019, things that I'm not totally talking about publicly yet, but really excited to kind of share with folks in the hopefully middle part of this coming year. So it's it's interesting because it's been a little counter to what I'm usually doing this time of year, which is slowing down, quieting down, taking that more internal time. Things have just been really busy and there's been a lot of cool new things getting ready to happen. You know, I've got some retreats coming up next year and some online classes that I've offered for many different cycles now that are launching in the beginning of the year, classes and trainings and travel and a New Year's retreat treat. So I'm kind of laughing at myself. (laughs) I'm not doing so much of my like, you know, quiet, internal reflecting time uh, right now as I wish that I were, but it's all been super fantastic and really beautiful. Just a lot of growth. So I feel really kind of stretchy right now. You know, I joke with my clients that I'm having some growing pains right now in the most beautiful way, just because my business is growing, but I feel like I'm really stretching. So I'm trying to be authentic and honest with that, you know, at the same time that I celebrate it, because I think a lot of times, I don't know if you experience this as teachers and as practitioners, you know, a lot of times we feel this push that we have to show that everything's great and everything's okay and, and we're doing so fantastic. Um, but we have our own processes too, right? In our own cycles where things don't always, even though they're wonderful, they also are stretching and growing and we have our own cycles of release, which we're going to talk about today. So uh, yeah, just trying to be as authentic at the same time as like oriented towards what's right for me right now. So what about you? I am not as crazy busy as you. I, I, well, I mean, I am, but nothing really super new on the radar. So I am actually enjoying a little bit of a slowdown for the new year. I've actually found myself 
really already kind of in a solstice mindset, basically. And I think maybe that's because this year was so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need this now. I, yeah, I was watering my plants yesterday and I, I like burst in the front door and I looked at my husband and I was like, we never do anything on New Year's. We have to this year. And he was like, well, I was like, I'm not suggesting that we go out and get hammered. I was like, but I need to ritualize putting this year behind us. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I hear you. Like, okay. Okay. Like, I don't know what happened out there with you and your plants, but <laughs> and, you know, a good plant talk will give you a lot of information about what you're needing right now. And yeah, I love that. Well, this time from Samhain, which is, you know, that period we celebrate as All Hallows Eve up towards, you know, winter solstice is, it's a lot of death energy right now. So I, I do a lot of educating with my clients. And when we talk about the moon, we also talk about the larger cycles of nature and the fact that, you know, we are in death energy for a good month and a half. So this is a lot of, you know, we think that we're kicking it off and we only celebrate it in this like, you know, small three-day window, but it's actually all you know, building towards solstice energy, which is that height of crone, the height of death energy, the height of releasing. So it's perfect that you're like right in that phase and you know it and you're like, what do I need to be releasing right now, letting go of? And then from solstice to New Year's, at least for us here in, you know, the Western world, it's kind of how we celebrate it. That's a great time then of looking at like full letting go and then also intention setting for the coming year. So I love that you're right on track and your plants were like, come on, Hillary, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, me and the plants. That's why it's called Lady Potions, ladies. <laughs> no one ever understands. They're like, why is the Fertile Minds podcast hosted at Lady Potions? Because it all started with the plants. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And even that word potion, you know, what it means in terms of allowing us to use plant and energetic and vibrational medicine, right, to be able to concoct something for our greater well-being. So I, I love that name. Okay. So this is my disclaimer. This is the, the last day of Mercury retrograde. <laughs> I'm praying when everything goes right, technologically speaking. If you don't know what Mer Mercury retrograde is, I feel like that's just like thrown around a lot. Yes. Can you explain mm -hmm. what Mercury retrograde is? <laughs> Absolutely. So Mercury retrograde is a cycle. It usually happens three times a year, and it's typically a three-week cycle where Mercury appears to actually be going standing still or going backwards in the night sky. And so from an astrological perspective, what we look at or see is that Mercury, which rules communication, travel, thought, among other things, slows down or even moves backwards during this time frame. And and just like everything, you know, it's got a buildup phase, the height or the climax, and then the kind of dipping back down. And actually, when we talk about moon, we've got that going on as well with the moon cycle. So everything has this natural kind of buildup, climax, and then, you know, kind of lowering back down or waning. So uh, in the Mercury retrograde energy, what we're seeing is uh, traditionally you know, it has been associated with communication, travel, contracts, decision making. So the old wisdom was like, don't do any of those things during Mercury retrograde period, right? You weren't supposed to travel, you weren't supposed to sign contracts, you know, you weren't supposed to like, you know, engage in any like big, heavy conversations. And I think a lot of that has been hyped up actually over time. Uh, now we're returning to kind of what the real wisdom around retrograde is, which is that it's an opportunity to just simply slow down everything around our communication, our decision-making, traveling. And most of us don't take these little pauses in our lives to just reevaluate. Like, wait, am I really on track? Am I doing what I need to do? So Mercury retrograde can come in and wreak havoc on all kinds of things. And now that we've got the advent of electronics, that's like the big thing that we see it in so much now and in our cars, right? So it's a real typical time when, you know, cars break down, our cell phones don't work, our emails don't send, right? Pod Podcasts don't record appropriately. However, we did well last week, and I know we're going to do really good this week. Uh, so we had a, a cycle of that that we've just finished up. It was November 16th to actually today, December 6th, that actually goes direct at 2.22 p.m. Mountain Time, which is my time, which is kind of cool. Uh, so we've got uh, the opportunity here with retrograde to be able to slow everything down and to just become mindful with the way that we're speaking, the decisions that we're making. I'm a Gemini, so Mercury rules Gemini. So typically, I have a kind of an interesting love-hate relationships with the retrograde. Sometimes they don't affect me all that deeply. This last one hyper did. And so it's always a good reminder for me to just like, 
slow things down, really double check, triple check. I know Hillary and I in preparation for these podcasts have been like really making sure we were dialed in on all of our topics and, you know, double checking the technology uh, and things like that, not to come from a, a hyper vigilant perspective, but really to allow ourselves to sit with the reality that it's a good time to just check in, make sure your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed to slow down. And then that carries us through until the next Mercury retrograde cycle hits in in its beautiful, wonderful, magical slowing down way. Yes. I've already marked my calendar with post-its for next year (laughs) of when not to record. Okay. So let's talk about the moon. I love La Luna. Much to my mother's dismay, I actually tattooed the moon on my body (laughs) and the sun when I was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. But at the time, I had no idea that I would be into fertility or a fertility specialist. I just knew that I love the moon. Like I can remember like some of my earliest memories as a little girl, like staring out the window at the full moon, being entranced. Like, ugh. And I knew that I could have done this, this show solo, but that seems so contradictory because the full moon, especially around women, has to do with ritual and women coming together and really taking care of one another during their lady time, because this was for many, um, it could be a time, especially the healers when they will get into that a little bit of having their period around the full moon or being fertile and planning together of what they were going to manifest. So that's why you're here. And even though you're not an astrologer, just to be clear, you do work with people's energies like I do. And so you, you have this like amazing seat, like I do to kind of watch how the energies of the moon can affect our bodies and our sleep and specifically our, our menstruation and, and maybe even our sanity or our mental outlook. <laughs> so that's what we're going to, we're going to kind of give you a view of what we see today of how you can kind of navigate this with a little bit more grace and ease. Like I said, you know, cycling with the moon as a woman and respecting its energy is an age old tradition And it's kind of gone by the wayside in a patriarchal society, I feel like, especially since the advent of birth control that totally took our cycles away from this natural cycling with the cosmos. But I have to say, like, I've noticed where I live, there's a little bit of a return to celebrating the moon together as females. And and you live in Santa Fe, which is so rich in indigenous culture. Do you feel like that left there ever? (laughs) I mean, no, right? In a... A really beautiful way a lot of the indigenous cultures have been preserved here in New Mexico despite colonization's desire to kind of wipe all of that out. There's something also about New Mexico where I feel like it's a spiritual mecca. There's a lot of reasons why that is that I won't get into uh, right now in this podcast, but part of it is our elevation. There is a feeling that the energies here just kind of draw people from actually all kinds of different spiritual traditions. So we have all these beautiful enclaves of so many different spiritual traditions that come here to practice. And absolutely inside of the indigenous cultures that are here, um, there's always been an honoring of the cycles of nature. And we see that a lot on the in the Pueblos, the feast days that kind of mirror or actually do celebrate at their core, the equinoxes and the solstices. Uh, and so due to colonization, actually, a lot of the Catholic traditions were then mapped onto those uh, ritualized feast days are already cultural celebrations around the solstices and the equinoxes. And so the Pueblos here still obviously celebrate those, often invite you know individuals from the larger community to come and participate with them. One of the things that I've had a real eye to actually for many, many, many years was cult- this cultural appropriation piece that I think we're seeing a lot now as we do cycle more with the seasons and we are looking for these opportunities to reconnect to, you know, earth-based spiritual traditions, which the term for that actually is paganism, which has been demified uh, due to the Christian and Catholic movement actually in Europe, right? So we've got a lot of these issues that have come down when you were talking about, you know, losing our connection to our cycles and to menstruation. You know, a lot of that even goes further back, right? To the Inquisition, to the burning of the witches, to connecting to our feminine energy energy, our cycles, our our moon rituals 
actually, you know, were associated with uh, demons and satanic rituals and all of this like horrible shadow elements. And so we really lost those. Those are actually burned away with the, the burning of women who weren't even actually necessarily witches, but even, you know, looking at witchcraft and, and what's been done with that, I'm not uh, going to get too far into that today. But there's a lot of these, you know, kind of pagan traditions that were demonized culturally from a religious and patriarchal perspective. And so what that did over time was it really removed from women our sense of connecting to the moon because we actually became very afraid of it uh, because we were persecuted for it. And it's a way that our feminine power was actually taken away from us. So regardless of your spiritual belief system, I'd really encourage everybody to actually go through and kind of do their own research about what their you know cultural traditions are and where they hail from because the way that I practice comes from a Celtic earth-based spiritual tradition. Um, and again, we call that paganism. And I like to reframe that word because people get so afraid of it. But when we actually look at what that means, it really just means that we are honoring the earth, we're honoring the mother in the moon in our physical planet, and in our physical bodies, when we align ourselves to the seasons and to our cycles. So while we have an opportunity here in North America to look a lot to, you know, Native American traditions, those seem to feel probably closer to source. And also because we have all this cultural baggage about what it means to connect to our perhaps our more European roots for those of us who, you know, are, you know, European or quote unquote, white and our cultural heritage. That's where I kind of ask people to focus so that we are um, both going back and reclaiming some of those traditions and some of those wise women women. But then also, we don't get too caught up in, you know, trying to appropriate from another culture just because it feels easier, or it's more accessible. So I like to just make sure I bring that conversation up when we talk about moon cycle work. And we even just talk about, you know, a lot of the moon lodges that are coming up and the way that folks are practicing, you know, think about it as you are you know, if this podcast sparks something inside of you to connect more deeply with the moon, be judicious as you're looking out there at the resources that are available, you know, and see if there's a way that you can track it back to whatever your cultural lineage is, so that we're respectful of other cultures. And if you see, you know, the t shirts and the, you know, material stuff and all of the tools, you know, really just check in with yourself and, and make sure that that sits in a right way or correct way for you in terms of what you're practicing. So that that we don't just immediately knee jerk, you know, take from another culture or take from something else because it seems easy or we're caught up in the social media hype or even the commercialism that's come into our spirituality. So I just wanted to make sure I took a little moment to say that as we, you know, talk about this beautiful moon energy that's inside of all of our female bodies, but to really recognize that there are ways to practice it that feel in alignment with honoring and respecting tradition, and then ways that might not be so much so. I love that. I think it's really important. Yes, it's great that social media provides a platform to talk about some of these things and that they are becoming more popularized as they come back and women can kind of have these avenues to talk about stuff. But then so often we take it as gospel and whether it's good or bad, that makes so much sense about our fears around traditions like paganism. Because of course, if you were persecuted, then there would be, you know, historical fear in your DNA. The group of the eclectics, the original Caucasian herbalists, if you will, who were learning from Native American Indians, they were burned at the stakes and their books went with them. You know, they weren't witches, they were herbalists. You know, not looking back and reading that with a raised eyebrow, you're like, huh. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting where all those connotations of words, what that does in your psyche in terms of images, right? Like even the word witch. <laughs> Huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I had a little hesitation even saying that on this podcast because it does foment so much. People get so freaked out about that word. But when we actually demystify it and we let ourselves move out of the hype of what really the patriarchy and you know a lot of uh, very powerful religion put on us, we actually trace it back and recognize that that word was used to persecute women. You've probably seen there's sort of a reclaiming happening even around that word and around what it means to, you know, practice 
quote unquote magic, right? And whatever that looks like or feels like for you, even the word lady potions, right? Like I love that because it has that element to it. And when we move ourselves out of fear, which is such a key piece to any growth or healing work we do, and we actually do our research, right? Demystify this process and then remystify it, right? Because there is something beautiful about the mystical component of the moon. But this is a place where we get to reclaim information that was lost and taken away from us because the structures of power and control really came in and tried to say, you know what, we want to put a cap on all of this because if this gets too far out of control, then we can't control the people. And I see a lot of that actually even here in New Mexico, where there's a lot of fear, you know, around practicing, even doing Reiki or energy healing. I get a lot of questions from folks about, you know, is this witchcraft? Are you practicing demonic rituals? You know, uh, you know, in people's families that get really, you know, worked up around, uh, practicing energy energy work. And then we pull through it, right? We do the research, we take a look at where that comes from. And it does come from the colonization of the indigenous cultures here. And so, you know, when we stop getting hyped up in, in terms of, oh my gosh, this fear-based response, and then we have a chance to really do our research and look at where this comes from. There's, this is where we really reclaim power, um, especially as women, especially inside of our bodies, because what the patriarchy knew and knows is that women are super powerful. And the one way that they can control us, right, is by making us bad, making us wrong, making our periods shameful and disgusting and nasty, right? And so we carry a lot of shame around our cycles, primarily for this reason, because it keeps us quiet, it keeps us fighting with each other, right, which is a big thing that the patriarchy likes to do, uh, create a lot of female competition, and it removes us from our ability to really connect with that deep, incredibly powerful energy that is connected to the moon. I agree. Totally. So here's my suggestion when you hear the word witch, because this was really hard for me too, because people will say like, oh, you're a witch doctor or, you know, as an <laughs> acupuncturist or, but then I started to take it as a compliment and I started to replace in my mind instead of the Wicked Witch of the East, which was there just from conditioning as a little girl, I see Glenda the Good Witch now when I hear that. I love mind. it. I love it. <laughs> There's a really fantastic book by um, Emma Restall Orr called Kissing the Hag. Uh, and it's one of my favorite books to look at both from this more like pagan, you know, sort of she's a druid priestess, actually, that we looks at all of the ways that that our shadow feminine has kind of been condemned to this like realm of disgust. And a lot of it, she talks a lot about our menstrual cycle and around our periods and even how we don't talk about it or the way we talk about it. We talk about it with some shame or even we don't even call it what it is, right? We have to find other names for it that we don't talk about this time when we're bleeding, right? Um, and so it's just interesting. I love that you brought up that whole piece about words because they carry so much power and when we talk about moon cycle work, we talk about the old traditions where there was a lot of manifesting and a lot of putting energy and collecting energy together as women around the moon. We recognize and realize the power that those words have, you know, spell casting, that word spell or spelling, right? It comes from the word spell, which is to use your words in such an intentional way that they manifest what it is that you want. That's actually what we're really, you know, practicing when we look at intention setting or we're talking about manifesting or we're coming back to circling and cycling with the moon as women, we're actually using the power of our words and our energy combined to create the reality that it is that we're hoping to achieve. So it's just, I love this conversation. I could go on off, off on it forever. <laughs> we get off on another big tangent, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting exploration into what's been put on us, what we've been conditioned for and how we might be able to break away from some of that. Okay. So short and sweet, so that if someone is describing what they listened to today, what's your definition of what it means to cycle with the moon as a woman? So to me, this is about being connected to nature. And if we're really at our most simple, uh, it is the honoring of the fact that these bodies are connected to nature in every single way. 
And as women in particular, but also just as human beings, we are drawn by the moon, right? So we're at least 60 to 70% water, whether you're a man or a woman, right? And we know that the tide is impacted by the moon, right? The push and pull of the tide. And even, you know, around the full moon, this traditional wisdom that says that people kind of get a little crazy around the full moon, right? The pull of that moon, my family members who are in the nursing and medical fields and, and can actually really attribute to the fact that this is actually a real thing, right? So we are pulled by moon energy just as human beings. And then also as women, we're pulled by it on our menstrual cycles. So to cycle with the moon, to keep it short and sweet to me means that we're connected to our feminine energies. We're connected to our physical bodies. We're connected to nature. And then we're connected to everything that feminine energy is about. Mystery, chaos energy, creativity, the nighttime, our physical bodies, the mystery of the unknown. That's everything that the moon represents and cycling with the moon represents to me. I like that. For me in the fertility world, I always think of it being to do with fertility of when you're most fertile and um, when your period's going to come and if that's synced up with the moon. And I will sometimes see people's cycles move a little bit and they'll get freaked out like, oh, I have this perfect 29 day cycle, but it went 32. And I'm like, well, but look at that. Now you're menstruating at the new moon. Like, you know, you're releasing at the time when there's the least amount of energy. How beautiful is that? And and then they're like, oh, oh, that's a like their mind doesn't know it, but their body knows it, right? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> they're so in tune. And it's it's that thing of being water. You know, water is on our planet at least is controlled by the moon to some degree. And it's no different in our bodies. And I think when you can recognize that, it helps you feel like you're part of something bigger instead of your mind just telling you that you live in the shell that's unaffected by anything around you. So in my world, we look at, you know, in a most fertile sense, ideally you would be ovulating at the full moon when there's the most energy. It's been growing and growing and growing. And you can look at a lot of different species on the planet and they their cycles will follow this too. There are a lot of exceptions that are backwards like coral. And there's actually definitions for this, which I didn't know when I was researching this, the white moon and the red moon. <laughs> and in the white moon, uh, according to Miranda Gray, is the idea that you bleed at the new or the waning moon. She says that since biodynamics have shown that the earth is the most fertile during full moons when you ovulate, this cycle is most traditionally linked to fertility and motherhood. If you are a white moon woman, you will likely feel a surge in your intuition during your period and you will feel the urge to withdraw our nourishment and self-renewal. In other words, you're tapped out energetically and you have given the month your all and it is you time, which I love because again, that's something we've gotten away from this idea of rest during your period, right? Mm -hmm. And then you and I were chatting before the show and this is no surprise, but we are both red mooners. <laughs> yes. And so if you don't know what a red moon is, the red moon means that you are opposite. You will actually, your cycle follows the full moon, meaning that your body bleeds during the waxing or the full moon, and you're most fertile during the new or the waning moon. And because full and waxing moon phase energies are outgoing, vibrant, and creative, some feel that this is counterintuitive to menstruation. But this is not so. In ancient times, the red moon cycle was associated with shamanism, high priestesses, and healers. Women who tend to menstruate with the full moon are said to focus their darker, more creative menstrual energies outward rather than inwards in order to nourish and teach others from their own experience. Many times, women with this cycle will be more focused on self-growth, development, mentorship, and creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Of course, we're red mooners. Yes, I know. And I've actually always been, almost always been a red mooner. There were some times in my life where I was a white moon cycle person, but pretty much from when I started charting my my uh, my rhythm and my cycles, I was always bleeding on the full moon. And it's interesting because a lot of the research, you know, supports exactly what you've talked about. And so I was like, oh God, you know, what does this mean? And then when I got really connected into full moon circles, a lot of that connection into, again, the Celtic Drugan, you know, kind of pagan way, when we cycle with the full moon and we're bleeding on the full moon, that's when we're creating magic, right? And so it all kind of came together for me of like, oh, wow, I'm simply built in this way um, that allows me to release around the full moon, which is 
traditionally the way that I practice. And then, you know, I'm, I'm ovulating with the new moon, which is a time of new beginnings. Uh, but I love the fact that there are different ways to think about this and also permission giving for your body to do what your body is going to do. I get this question a lot from my clients where people will kind of call me freaked out, sort of alluding to what you talked about with your patients, you know, like, Oh my God, wait, I'm not cycling with the moon. Is there something wrong with me? And, and I think it's really interesting that we like to even prescribe the idea that there's anything wrong with the body, right? When your body is really at the end of the day, just giving you information about what's happening with you. So we tend to go from this perspective of like, Oh, I have to fix it. When the reality is the feminine energy allows us to observe it, to be with it, to accept it, and to just pay attention to like, Oh, what is my body doing today? The one time that I can most deeply connect with having been a, a white mooner was when I was taking care of a, a friend of mine in the last eight months of his life. And, and I went from being a, a, you know, a red mooner to a white mooner. And I was like, what's going on? You know, and then I could really recognize the fact that there was this call and this need to move more internally during that very incredible connection that we had during that time. And it's funny, because I was leading full moon circles at that time out of my house where I was taking care of him. And, and it felt very strange to me to be cycling in a whole different way when all my previous full moon rituals, I'd always been bleeding. And so instead, now that I was ovulating around this full moon, and yet we were doing release work, was a really interesting opportunity for me to kind of look at, all right, what are my more rigid notions about how I think I'm supposed to be? And then to give myself permission to recognize that this body is so dynamic, and my cycles are so dynamic that they're going to be shifting. And so while I do you know, still have that that more traditional 28 to 29 day cycle, it, it still changes and shifts depending on what's happening in my life. And so when my cycle starts to shift, I get to look at, like you just said, what's going on for me? Um, and I'll notice at times of stress, times when I'm traveling a lot, when I've been sick, right, will necessarily change the time frame and the length and duration of my menstrual cycle. And so to have all that information and that wisdom simply allows me to just say, well, this is going, what's going on with me this particular cycle. And then yes, of course, if there's things that I need to do to address my physical health, that gives me the information I need to address it. But I really try super hard not to make it wrong, right? Because that's, you know, actually a shadow element of both masculine and feminine energy. But really, the true bright element of the feminine is about accepting, it's about allowing, it's about being with whatever is, and allowing that to be perfect in its own way. And then doing the things that you need to do to make sure that you're, you're healthy, and you're well, but not making it wrong, I think is a big piece. So there's so I love this particular way that Miranda talks about it, because it does allow us to recognize that we're all sort of different and that different times in our lives are going to call for different types of energies, depending on what we're working with. I agree. I, I don't think there's any perfect cycle you should have. I think it's nice when it lines up. You know, and I, I do think uh, there, there are certain things you can do per se, like you're coming off of birth control or an IVF cycle and your, you know, your cycles all over the map that involve the moon to help you get basically anchored into the energies of the world around you and start cycling normal. And we'll talk about those in just a second. But yeah, just to make sure that it's not like this thing of perfectionism that you're striving for, right? Right. Because uh, we don't know anything about that, right, Hillary? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God, if, if any one area of your life, you're just going to let go with the flow, please let your period. <laughs> like literally go with the flow, right? <laughs> well, and I, like you, like the, it, the period just, it tells you so much about the month and it should be a time of reflection, right? So just like at the end of the year and the solstice, we look, we reflect upon the year and like, what do we want to let go of and how do we want it to be different? Your period in amount, volume, pain, all of tells you how you've lived, right? Like you've taken that month and how they do or do not agree with your physical body. And that art has been somewhat lost, but it's coming back, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love it. So good. Yes, I'm on board with all of that. Okay. So if say a woman did feel like she was not in sync with the world around her or her internal world, what what are some things that you suggest to bring it into alignment? Because like I like barefoot moon bathing, but what do you do if you live in the city where you don't actually see the moon? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. So so in terms of our cycles, going back to what we were just talking about, one of the first things I say to to clients when they're like, "Gosh, I'm not in alignment with the moon. What do I what do I do? Or I'd like to be more in alignment with the moon. What do I do?" 
the first thing that I recommend, which is very similar to what we were just talking about, is just observation, right? Like, so I suggest to my clients to take a full three cycles to just observe. This alone is going to bring you already into that yin feminine moon energy because this is the energy of internal reflection. It's the energy of observation. It's the energy of being. And I think this gets lost a lot in our highly masculine and yang oriented society where we're so focused on doing, right? So, you know, while there are things we absolutely can do, and I'll talk about those, I really highly suggest taking three cycles to just observe the funny thing about that is that is actually doing something, <laughs> right? And those three months for a lot of people will already start to realign because the message that comes is, you know what? I'm actually talking to my body right now. I'm listening. I'm noticing. I'm observing, you know, what it is that that's happening in my body. For many, many, many years now, I've, I've used menstrual pads. I used to use a menstrual cup even before that, you know, so I could kind of like measure and look. Um, and then I realized even with that, and this is not a judgment on anybody's choices about what they're doing with their body, I'm sharing from what's been right for mine, is, is that realization that I was kind of stopping things up, right? And so for me to actually feel the flow of energy and the flow of blood coming out of my body on the daily has been the most incredible experience for me. So I, I recommend taking a look at what you're doing around your menstrual cycles, right? What are, are you using a tampon? Are you using a pad? You know, is the pad you're using sustainable? Um, you know, are you using a menstrual cup? Is that working for you? Is it not? But really take taking a look at your, your menstrual blood, connecting with your menstrual blood is huge. When we're looking at connecting with energy, the energy of the body, moon energy, and what you were just talking about, Hillary, and maybe you'll have some more suggestions even about what you notice in your, your menstrual blood. But I think that has been really huge for me to really connect to that true flow of energy coming out of my body. So, And your, your system will in that way start to naturally realign itself with the moon and with your cycles. And it's a key piece of observing. In olden times, we used to take that menstrual blood and we actually used to fertilize our plants with it, um, you know, and, and give an offering. Whatever time of the moon you happen to be cycling on, we would offer that to the land. So, um, you know, some women will actually take their menstrual pads or their menstrual cups and actually, you know, save their menstrual blood and, and do a, a ritual at the end of their cycle to, you know, release and to also, you know, make an offering to the land. So that's another really beautiful tradition. Uh, a lot of times I'll suggest this to clients and people will get all caught, caught up in the messiness of it. And I find that's also just an interesting metaphor, right? For like how we just don't like to deal with the mess of life. And yet messiness is a feminine energy principle. Feminine energy is the energy of chaos. Masculine energy is the energy of structure. We need both, right? But when we are not willing to get our hands into our blood, I think that really says something about our connection to our own shame, right? And to the fact that like, ooh, I, this has been made dirty or nasty for me, but what's actually wrong with it, you know? And so it's just more than I'm suggesting anybody prescribe to a particular viewpoint, I'm more suggesting explore, right? See what feels right and good to you and see where those thresholds are of your own discomfort around being with blood, being bloody, being messy, because that is the feminine chaotic. And it also is our creative energy at its deepest core, right? And so I think that's another really key piece around it. In terms of exercises, once you've kind of aligned yourself to taking a look at your cycles, charting your cycles, right? We have a these wonderful apps now um, that we can uh, chart our cycles on. Kandara is the one that I use, but I know that there are several out there um, where you can actually chart your cycles. So that's a big piece, right, of, of just even just charting that and connecting with it. And then I, one of my favorites, regardless of whether you're in a city or not, is moon gazing. It's called Trakata um, in some practices. And so we're actually, no matter where the moon is at its cycle, finding where you can actually see the moon, usually even in a city, you can find some vantage point at which, you know, even if it's all the way up on a rooftop where you can actually see the moon. And so I recommend, you know, five, as few as five minutes to up to 30 of actually just gazing at the moon. Um, there are practices, if you Google Tricata or you Google um, moon gazing, you'll actually see the, the exercises for how to do this. And it brings us more deeply into a heightened awareness of ourselves and connect 
connection. It's also a, a meditative practice. Uh, so that's a really great one. Being outside in any way, shape or form, right, is a great way that we can connect to nature. Um, hopefully, even if you're in a city, you can find a tree, you know, snuggling up next to a tree, I think is a really great way of reconnecting with earth energy. And we don't, you know, always have to uh, do the full blown earthing practice, which I love to do if I can, but it's cold right now here in New Mexico. So I don't actually find myself being able to get my feet right down in the earth. So I'll usually snuggle up against a tree and work with that as well. So those are just some options in terms of connecting and realigning ourselves more deeply with the moon. I love that. There's so much in what you just said. I'm going to try and remember all of it now. Yes, I agree. This is not a judgment on what products you use. I am an equal opportunity period product user, depending on what is happening in my life, right? Like, And I think the observation is just the, the most important thing, right? Like, I, I like the cup because I'm weird and I like to like actually measure what is coming out of me and mm-hmm. the color and mm-hmm. the thoughts because that yields so much information. If you didn't listen to episode, I think it's 35 and 37, there was a two-part episode that I did about what your period is actually telling you in regards to your reproductive capabilities from a lens of traditional Chinese medicine. So you can go back and listen to that and get into the nitty-gritty. But a cup provides you with that. However, There are some days that I'm just like, I don't really want to put anything up there. Like you said, stopping it up, Mm -hmm. right? Like I just, Mm -hmm. I just want to literally flow with my life and and give myself permission to, to move a little slower. Cause let's face it. If you have a pad on, you're moving a little slower, right? (laughs) There's some days where I'm teaching or I'm going to be in yoga pants and I'm like, Oh, guess what? I'm using an earthy, no bleach tampon today. I can because that's available to me and mm-hmm. I'm going to feel better about myself because I'm not going to be constantly wondering about what's on my butt. So <laughs> I think that there are times and places for everything, but you have to be observant of your body and your your lifestyle and your needs, right? Absolutely. And it is the most creative time. And if you don't believe me, stem cells, your mm-hmm. menstrual blood is filled with stem cells know what stem cells are. Stem cells have the ability to become any part of a body. (laughs) Like they use those to basically, like I have one patient right now who is going and getting his bone marrow with his stem cells drawn out of his bone marrow, which is very, very painful and injected back into his knee to regrow his own meniscus so he can avoid surgery. Because he's a man, he has to have it taken out of his bone marrow all the way in the middle of his bones. Whereas if he was a woman and he just menstruated, he could have it done in the same day. So yeah, it has the code and the potential story for life in your menstrual blood, which I think is an important thing to remember so that it does seem less gross because we were conditioned to think that it was gross, right? Oh, big time. Yeah. And it, and it, it is. It's like the deeper I've gotten in with this, the more permission I've given myself to just be like, this is what I'm doing right now, everybody. Like, too bad. <laughs> You know, and so I've really like been and and wearing a menstrual pad. It's so funny that you're talking about all that because yeah, there are these moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in yoga pants and you can totally see my big chunky menstrual pad. And and I do like I have these moments where I have to reflect on like, how do I feel about that? Um, And one of the reasons why I actually shifted away from the cup, which like you, I also was really like, oh wow, this is super cool. Like, let me see what's in here is that it was actually starting to irritate my cervix. And so I was just like, you know what? My body is actually telling me that it just doesn't want something in there anymore. And I'd used cups for many years and really loved them. And so uh, back to your point, right? Like our, our bodies shift and change. And I was just like, okay, you know what? This isn't, my body's telling me this isn't right for me. So, you know, rather than judging it or being all upset about it, I'm just going to shift over to this. And it was a really beautiful opportunity for me to be able to work with it differently. And now I actually, you know, you have to squeeze out your, your menstrual pad. You do get to see, you don't get to see volume in quite the same scientific way right? But you still can sort of see like how much you've bled and the clotting kind of stays up at the top. So there are some ways even within that to be able to chart things, but you can't quite necessarily get the same level of volume. And it, it is, it's way messier. There are times that I'm like squeezing out my menstrual pad and the water's going all over my sink and it's like totally messy. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm so happily okay with this right now because I want to give myself permission to just 
be in the, it really let go of shame. Shame is something I lived with and still do, right? For so much of my life that it's given me permission in a way to kind of just thumb my finger at a lot of these old ideas about how my body has to look or what I have to do. And like you said, and I think we've underscored a lot already in this podcast, but it bears saying so much, it's what's right for you, right? So you're sharing your perspective, I'm sharing my perspective, what's happening in our bodies, we would bring in, you know, 20 other women, we'd get 20 other ideas about this, right, which is such the beautiful thing about our allowing ourselves to own what's right for us, and also be with what's right for everybody else in a way that says, wow, that's so beautiful that that's what's right for you. And this is what's right for me. And we can do this all without judgment of each other and just ownership of ourselves and that this shifts and changes. Right. And how great is it that we can even have this conversation? So if you're listening and you're like kind of uncomfortable, like this is way too much TMI, I want you to just think about the fact that it's amazing that we have free speech and we can actually talk about this and not I don't have to worry about being hung or burned at the stake because I was praising the moon in my my uterus, right? Seriously, seriously. I mean, I think it's so amazing that we make a lot of these biological functions so wrong. I mean, I, I, I joke with my clients a lot when we talk about releasing, you know, and one of my spiels that I say in the beginning of every session with a new client is I say all releases are good releases, right? We love releases when we do energy work and releases look like burping, laughing, snorting, sneezing, twitching, itching, coughing, farting, pooping, peeing, bleeding, and people get all like, oh my God, right? But I'm like, but these are all releases. And we spend our whole lives learning that releases are wrong or bad because they're shameful or dirty, but your body wants to release. And when we don't let our body release, it's actually how we get sick. So um, I spent a lot of my day, you know, talking about things. And I, I know you do too, Hillary, right? Like the people are like, oh my God, I don't have permission to talk about this. But that's empowerment at its finest, just to be able to really own what is right for our bodies and also kind of really pull apart why this became wrong or dirty or shameful. And it was a way of, you know, limiting feminine power. So I love that we're talking about all of this. (laughs) I think you forgot the most important release, though. I don't think it happens during energy work usually, but. Oh, which one did I forget? Orgasm. Oh! I love it. Yes, you are right. And I don't bring that up in session, I suppose, because (laughs) I'm actually not thinking that route, but you're so right. Oh my God, I'm totally cracking up. I don't... (laughs) No, of course, it's not appropriate in the treatment room, but it's another release that we have robbed ourselves of permission to have right? Yes. Sorry, my brain just went to five different places trying to think about doing that in session. Not appropriate in the treatment room. And I would like to say it does not usually happen in energetic work. However, it does under that umbrella of releases that you should allow your body to have once in a while. Oh my God, absolutely. Well, and you know, what's interesting is that even along these lines, we talk about in energy healing, when I teach my level two class, you know, we talk about transference and countertransference and the exchange of sexual energy sometimes can come up when you're doing energy work. And actually, again, as we talk about full moon rituals, and we talk about even, you know, winter solstice and summer solstice and Beltane, which is, um, you know, really the big celebration around fertility. You know, this was our, these were rites of times where, you know, women took men off into the fields and said, all right, I'm, you know, I'm exercising my feminine power. And I'm actually choosing you as the man to come off into the woods with me, you know, and and procreate on these, you know, festivals and, uh, you know, really powerful days of the year that track, you know, harvest. So it actually tracks the cycle, you know, of death and rebirth, as we see it in our food production, as we see it in our bodies, and as we see it in our connection to fertility rights and to our sexual energy. So I I love that you brought it up, because it's so connected into this topic of connecting with the full moon, because this is often a time, you know, where where women did take men off and say, all right, you come on with me, let's go do this, you know, and oh my God, what does that activate in people to think about? Right. It's very (laughs) dependent of where you are and where you're listening from, right? Whether you absolutely be happy with that idea or possibly appalled, but that's okay. That's what the story is. This podcast is about, it's about changing 
like challenging what you think, right? Exactly, exactly. And being okay with where you're at around it. If that makes you highly uncomfortable, then that's okay too, right? But we just get to sort of look a lot at these old traditions and some of them we're revitalizing, others, you know, maybe don't work for you. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting, even just to go back kind of historically and, and look at harvest festivals and, and uh, how we honored those and, and the fertility rights that came along with them. So speaking of releasing, more more releasing, <laughs> I like to I like to release at the full moon in terms of like energetically, like writing down everything that I want to get rid of because I t- I tend to feel so full, right? Even if I am a red mooner and I'm you know I'm kind of doing that naturally, but is that what you do in yours? Do you release at the full moon? Yes. Yes. So, so full moon is, you know, as we were looking at that 28 day cycle, you know, of the moon and, and how more or less how it runs, we're looking at, um, you know, the, the new moon, which is the dark of the moon that is new beginnings, right? If you look up in the night sky at the new moon, it's total, almost entirely dark. And then the moon begins to wax, which means it begins to become fuller over the course of 14 days. And then it's at its fullest, right? It's culmination, it's height at the full moon. And then it begins to wane for the remaining 14 days until we hit another new moon cycle. So when we talk about the energy of what's happening in the moon during this time, you know, we are usually intention setting around a new moon. So we're often taking that time to kind of think about, reflect what it is that I'm looking to create this moon cycle. You know, what are my intentions? What are my plans? What are my projects? And then we build into that all through that 14 day period of until the full moon. So that whole, you know, waxing period, which as the crescent, the first quarter and the gibbous moons all have different things associated with them. But we're looking at building, planning, regenerating, you know, and then we come into the full moon, which is the height, that culmination period. And traditionally, full moon rituals both honor fertility, they honor, you know, kind of celebrating at the culmination, what have we created, what have we made. But because full moon also means that we're heading towards that waning time, it's also often a time of releasing. So we are then saying, okay, what am I letting go of in this cycle? And then we spend those remaining 14 days when the moon wanes to banish, to move inward. Um, We've got disseminating last quarter and the balsamic moon that happens in that last 14 day period. So we're looking at that fullness of that cycle. And then we see it on the wheel of the year, right? Where we see, you know, summer solstice, traditionally the height of energy all the way through to winter solstice, which is the darkest night, right? The most that we're in our yin or our feminine energy. So the way that that moon cycle works for me, because, and also very naturally, because I bleed on the moon, the the full moon, that allows me a really potent time to release energetically anything that I don't want, right? Intentionally using the power of the mind, emotionally, and then, you know, moving towards uh, that release for that 14 days and then and then building up to, okay, what am I creating here on a new moon cycle? Right. It's kind of, I have this idea of empty what's full so you can fill it back up again, right? So if you're a pen and paper gal like I am, I actually created a written full moon release. So it'll be on the show notes. If you just want to print that out and, and take pen to paper, because you can think about this stuff and you can, of course, set your, your intentions and your meditations and things like that. But I do think there is something powerful to taking pen to paper, especially when you're trying to release it and then ritualizing it, either tucking it away so you can check back again and see if it actually released or burning it if you like fire and that's okay in your household. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> or planting it. I like to rip it up and sometimes plant it mm-hmm. in like if I'm doing any replanting in the bottom of the plant, especially certain moons. And then like kind of just knowing as I watch the plant grow that maybe this thing that I've let go and made space for something new to come in is there. I love that. And of course, I'm a big, big, big fan of ritualizing whatever it is that you do around your moons because ritual has so much power. And when we connect with the elements, which is exactly what you were just talking about, and you know, our again, our our pagan celebrations of full moon rituals, we really work a lot with elementals and you know understanding how that energy can support us depending on what it is that we need and because the moon cycles you know shore up also with what's happening astrologically like you said there's different 
types of moons that correlate with different types of energies, different types of elements. So you can really get super creative around what you do at particular moon cycles in order to allow yourself to release. Uh, And writing things down is super powerful. It allows us to make real what the intention is, be it release or be it invoke. And so that can be really huge. And then, you know, working also energetically with the energy of release. Uh, And then also iconically working with metaphor, working with image so that we can really activate that feminine energy from a, you know, mental perspective, words, uh, and structure tend to fall into that more, you know, masculine left brain energy, that yang energy, and then uh, image, right? Metaphor creation in terms of art, right, tends to be more in that right brained feminine yin side. So sometimes people also find things like working with imagery, working with metaphor, uh, working with vision boards, you know, those kinds of things can also be another really cool way to be able to invoke and really work with that feminine energy. So we we touched on it and I want to go into it more because I think this is an important part is how the moon can seemingly affect you mentally, emotionally. Like I tend to arrange my calendar by the moon and my period. Guilty. Because <laughs> I don't always feel at my best premenstrually. I'm not always wanting to have deep conversation with people, right? So I tend to arrange my calendar that way. And I notice with uh, my patients that a lot of times, and it's not every full moon, but at particular ones, I'll, I'll have like a string of people that come in that day and it'll be like three or four of like, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't sleep last mm-hmm. night, <laughs> you know? And, and sometimes I'll have had it too. And that, you know, you walk out early in the morning and you see that giant moon still hanging in there in the sky. And you're like, you, <laughs> you kept me up last night. Now, there's no scientific evidence to back that up. But if you ask caretakers, especially caretakers in psych wards, they will say that there are more disturbances on a full moon. There have been studies done around labor that suggest that there is no statistically significant increase in labor. But I have theories on that, and that is because labor is more than one day process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Your active contractions can certainly be in one day, and hopefully they are, because bless your soul if they're not. But it's like, it's like a week-long process of getting that kick started. So I think that that's why the evidence doesn't support it. But what do you notice happens to your patients energetically at new moons and full moons? Yeah, and I love that you were just talking about how, you know, certain ones affect certain people differently because when, you know, in my early 20s when I was first really learning about this work, I, I really was like a lot more aware of full moon, new moon just in terms of my cycles and myself. And then I started to notice like, gosh, but why do certain moons affect me differently than other moons? And that was actually when I really started getting into astrology. So um, it's been almost 20 years now that I've kind of just, you know, on my own really been fascinated and learning about what particular cycles are happening with our, our both our sun and our moon energy. And then it started making so much sense to me when I really brought in that astrological element to look at, oh, okay, this is why this particular moon is affecting me this way, but this particular moon isn't as much. So when I prep for the coming month, I tend to look at what that moon cycle is going to be in, in terms of the the, the astrological sign, what other things are happening like a a Mercury retrograde, or also we had a Venus retrograde actually happening in October and November, which was super activating for a lot of people because when Venus retrograde happens, it's it's all of that slowing down around love and relationships. So uh, that's typically the time we revisit all of our old relationship lessons. That one killed me. Oh my God, it it was, that one was, for a lot of folks, that one was really difficult. And it was hilarious because I was kind of like, gosh, I'm not feeling this Venus retrograde that much. So it was really interesting because I expected to. um, And I did a lot of my own internal work around it, but I didn't. But then the Mercury retrograde hit and holy cow, oh my God. I was like, I just want to be on the floor by myself. Nobody bother me. Um, And when I started looking more into what was happening with those particular energies, it made sense why I wasn't as affected, at least in that Venus retrograde period. But actually everything hit me 
in the Mercury retrograde, right? So it's just kind of fascinating to watch how these things affect everybody differently. But that Venus retrograde period, the majority of my clients were like, everybody's like, what's going on? So it's funny because I'll often get the frantic, you know, emails and text messages from my clients who are like, what's going on right now with the moon? Because I'm totally, you know, freaking out. And it'll happen like four, five, six, seven different clients, you know, are having uh, responses or reactions to it. So what I've tended to line things up is, is more looking at the astrology of, okay, like what's happening with this particular moon cycle? You know, what are the themes that are showing up for me? And how am I going to work with those during this particular moon? But then oftentimes it's a surprise in terms of how it will actually affect me. So one of in more recent years, there's actually been a lot of releasing the system and the structure around it and more allowing myself to be with what's happening. But I get asked this question a lot by my Reiki 2 students in particular who are, you know, prepping up for a practice or they're looking at like, okay, should I be doing energy work when I'm bleeding? Or should I be doing energy work during my luteal cycle? Or, you know, what, when, when should I or should I not be doing these things? And it is actually a really fascinating question. The more that I've done energy work, the less affected I find myself by my menstrual cycle because of the fact that I'm accessing it kind of all day, every day. And, and I didn't expect this to happen. It used to affect me a lot more deeply um, in that period before my before my period, um, where I wasn't feeling so fantastic. But now it's, it's been a, an interesting shift to watch that I'm aware of it, but I'm also able to access the energy a little bit differently so that it doesn't quite affect me so much. But that doesn't mean that the astrology isn't kicking in. So there's been a lot of this kind of permission giving to sort of just dance with what's showing up for me that particular day with the awareness you know, that that structure around, okay, what do I think this is about? Or how can I make meaning of this? Or how can I adjust or shift my day, you know, knowing that there's a potential for something here to kind of be particularly challenging, or for me to just need more internal reflective time. I like that. I'm gonna have to learn more about that from you and Reiki too, when you come to St. Petersburg. Yay! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. So if you didn't listen to the last week's episode, Sharna is going to be coming to my practice, Art of Acupuncture, and she's going to be teaching a class on Reiki 1 in the summer. Is that July that we're doing? August. It's August, isn't it? I, yeah, I was just revisiting that. And then Reiki 2 in November. So if you find that you love it and you want to continue with that practice or learn more about it and how to do it on yourself and your loved ones, then there will be links in the show notes to visit the page of where to sign up for that. And we'll both be there. So come hang out with us for a whole weekend both times, right? How fun will that be? We can talk about all the things you're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Inverting the system. I'm a big fan of it. All right. So any parting words for our listeners on their moon cycle or anything that I forgot that is uber important to this conversation? You know, I, the only thing I, I, I think what's kind of cool, right, is that we, we knew when we were recording this that, that we were doing it on a new moon. So we've got, um, you know, that new moon energy that's cycling around us right now in Sagittarius that's showing up tomorrow. So when we are looking with, you know, at moon energies or even looking at the astrology, um, there's tons of websites out there to kind of do a Google research on um, and see what, you know, site resonates for you. Leah Whitehorse is one of my favorites uh, that I do a lot of research on and in preparation for my, my Shine Lodges, which are the online full moon circles that I offer on a monthly basis. But to know that there's a kind of three-day buildup to the moon cycle and then a three-day kind of dip down. So same goes for full moon and new moon energies in particular. So a lot of times people will start that buildup three days before the actual moon. So right now, actually, we're feeling the effects of this Sagittarius uh, new moon, which is a lot about inspiration and desire. And this, you know, Sagittarius is this energy that likes to get out there and do things and, and move things. Uh, so we've got that kind of energy of our new moon that we'll be feeling really for, you know, sort of a six day period. Same goes for full moon. I know that this is airing um, just a little bit before our full moon in cancer, which is a little bit more of a, of a watery energy. Cancer tends to be more internal, more reflective, more emotional. Um, and that's happening on December 22nd at 
10.48 a.m. Mountain Time. So um, just to kind of be aware of those cycles and to know also that, you know, wherever you live in the world, the timing around these things is going to change. So just kind of you can kind of double check and see when about the apex of the moon happens for you. I used to be super concerned about, you know, celebrating the, the moon right at the apex of it. And again, that was my type A, my my recovering type A. I, li- I love that you said that in our last podcast, um, you know, that had to do it right. And so now I give myself permission to actually more feel the cycles of the moon rather than get so focused on the timing. But for those who are new to this, right, this can be a really helpful guideline to know that we're working with that energy for about a good six day period, both leading up to and then after our, our full and our new moons. And then the last thing I do want to make sure that I mentioned is that, you know, moon energy is feminine and sun energy is masculine. So whenever we're actually looking at, especially around the full moon, we're actually looking at a dance between what the moon is doing and what the sun is doing. So this is often talked about the sun moon opposition, although I really like the idea of dancing, right? So what is happening in our feminine energy that's balancing itself with our masculine or yang energy. So, you know, keeping apprised also of the sun cycles um, can also be really helpful as we're looking at just that balancing agent of, you know, okay, the sun's going to be in Capricorn with this upcoming full moon, and we have the moon in Cancer. You know, Capricorns are really driven, go, 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 do, 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 earthy sign. Uh, and then Cancer is a more watery, internal, quiet, reflecting, emotional sign. So so we get to see the balance and the dance of those two energies showing up. So I just like to make sure to mention that because it's a, a fascinating piece of how we also are seeing um, that dance of quote unquote fertility, right? The, the masculine and feminine playing itself out in our astrology where the sun and the moon are kind of these lovers that are constantly dancing around each other. I love that. Well, thank you for encouraging us to go with the flow and to remember that it is definitely a dance between the masculine and the feminine energies of our body, just like it is between the sun and the moon. If you are listening and this has piqued your interest and it's not so kooky anymore to you and you want to know more, I highly, highly suggest, especially if you're listening in real time, that you check out Sharna's virtual full moon gatherings. You can find those at seeksparkshine.com on the events page. And we'll link directly to that in the show notes at ladypotions.com forward slash episode 57. Um, But that's really cool because you can be supported by a group of women all over the world. You get to see each other's faces and then you get to have Sharn's lovely voice leading you in a non-kooky moon ritual. (laughs) Or it's actually kind of kooky. (laughs) Which is awesome. (laughs) of cool, right? So yeah, and I would I would love to have anybody join us for that. And if this dance between masculine and feminine energies at all interests you, I also have my online class on balance. It's called Living in Divine Balance that's kicking off in the beginning of February as well. And that's a 12-week course with six lessons where we dive into each of these different elements. We talk a lot about sun and moon energy and reconnecting into both of those elements. We talk a lot about shadow, talk a lot about the inner marriage and the way that we can kind of align these energies inside of ourselves. So if that also interests you, that's um, an offering and uh, that's also available online, both via self-study and then um, we do meet you know, every other week via webinar, but that's an optional optional option (laughs) or anybody that's interested. So yay, I'm excited for all of these uh, beautiful gatherings that I'm seeing everywhere. And just thank you so much, Hillary, for really allowing us to have this conversation today and for all you do for women around the world, uh, helping us reconnect to ourselves. Thank you. Thank you. It's always nice spending time with you. And to you, my listeners, thank you so much for your time and for spreading the word. Because without this, this is just a story that I'm talking to myself and today with Sharna. <laughs> so <laughs> all about you. Um, do be sure and check out ladypotions.com. We are launching a whole new look to our website in the beginning of the year. And it's going to make these episodes and blog posts uh, even friendlier to you in terms of searchability. Um, it'll be friendlier to me in terms of posting and my time. So I absolutely cannot wait for that to come out. And then there also be um, all kinds of resources for you in terms of classes that we've mentioned with guests on our show, quizzes you can take, and and all different ways to just kind of up your fertility know-how. So thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Fertile Minds Radio, hosted at www.ladyportions.com, where you'll find past episodes, show notes, and free meditations. 
If you've benefited from what you've heard, leave a comment or review so it makes it easier for others to find this valuable wisdom. Let's help elevate each other. Thanks for listening.